0: In this month's lesson, we talked about the importance of having an effective strategy and how to create one in your life as a leader. Let's join Pastor Bill in the auditorium for this great lesson. I want to talk to you today about leadership has a defined strategy. I think we we spend a lot of time thinking about other things along the lines in the areas of leading. And one of the things that I've discovered has been that strategy is often overlooked and neglected. So I'm going to give you some information today that I think will help you to learn how to better articulate your strategy for what you want to do. I mentioned uh, oftentimes vision is your mental picture. Vision is what you see, what you imagine, what you know that that it should look like. You know, the illustration is used often of of Walt Disney and his wife one day standing there in the parking lot there of Disney World in Orlando right after Walt had died and just when uh, it had opened up. And, um, and one of the reporters made the comment, uh, and it's sad that Walt's not here to see it. And she said, oh, no, Walt saw it. That's the reason that you're standing here. And what she was doing, was she was emphasizing again, that it was his vision that he enacted that enabled everybody else to see it. Leaders have vision, obviously, and, and they usually see it before others see it. And if they don't see it, we won't see it. So vision is the mental picture. But strategy is your map. You cannot get where you want to be with vision alone. You have to have a strategy, a, a means by which you know you're going to get to a particular place. And so I think that churches and businesses do not grow, not because they don't have a great vision. I think they don't grow because they don't exercise a, uh, or execute a good strategy. I think that, um, that when they know what a strategy is and they go after that, that's when they find the difference in good and great. Now everything that is not working or not working well either has lost its vision or it has no strategy or it has an outdated strategy in place. And so if you think about that for just a moment, if it's not working not working well it's because somewhere they've just lost the vision of what they want to do or they don't really have a strategy so therefore all they're doing is really just just going in circles or they have an outdated strategy meaning that At one time they did have a strategy and they got somewhere, but they never continued to modify or adjust or alter or let that strategy evolve into something different. And so you're always gonna be working on strategy. Now, I believe that a good strategy enables you to do a couple of things. I think it enables you to make decisions easier. See, if I know what my strategy is and I know what I'm trying to accomplish, then it's gonna make a lot of decisions for me. When other things come and want to distract me or divert me, If I know what my vision is, what my strategy is, I can easily say no without giving a lot of thought because it doesn't align with what I'm doing. It also helps you to manage your finances better. If I have a good strategy, I'm able then to know that resources ought to be going toward my vision and strategy. And then the third is it will actually achieve your mission. Without the strategy, you can't ever get it, so you need it. Now, I want to encourage you in this way. Because a lot of times people think, well, strategy is kind of the worldly way or the Wall Street way of doing things. and You know, I want to do it only God's way. And they don't realize that God does have a way. He gives us wisdom. He gives us insight. And he gives us a plan. But strategy is biblical, uh, meaning that, um, that the Bible has a lot of illustrations about strategy. In the book of Exodus, the fifth, the seventh chapters, God gave Moses a specific strategy in order to lead his people. Uh, in the in the earlier books as well, he gave Joshua and he gave Gideon uh, particular strategies for battles that they were in. What to do, what not to do, what to wear, what what the route to take. Second um, Samuel 5:17-25 is really a good one. God provides David a strategy. Now the Philistines hate David. David is the king. David has killed their great warrior Goliath many years earlier. And, and so David's going to fight the Philistines two weeks within a relatively, two times within a relatively short time. And in fact, he's going to fight them in the very same location. So it's the same Philistines, it's the same David, the same location, uh, it's the same enemies. And yet God's going to give to David two different strategies for the very same situation. On the first one, it's interesting to note that, that um, uh, verse 17 of uh, Samuel 5 says this, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all of the Philistines went up to search for David. They weren't searching to help him as king. They were searching to start a war. When David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went down and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephidim. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, and I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hands. So the Bible says so David went to Baal-Perezin, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal Perezim. And they left their images there. David has been carried away. So David had this battle. And he said, God, should I go up and fight them? And God said, yeah, you go directly on, charge them from the front. That's what I want you to do. So David did it. And he got the victory. Now, a few days later, they have another battle in the same place, same enemies. And it says, then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the Valley of Raphael. Same place. Therefore David inquired of the Lord and said, uh, and and, and asked the Lord. And the Lord said, You shall not go up, circle around behind them, and come up uh, upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it will be when you hear the sound of the marching of the tops of the mulberry trees, you'll advance quickly. For the Lord will go out before you, and and you shall strike the Philistines. David did as the Lord uh, commanded. He drove back the Philistines as far as Gazar. Now it's interesting that in both situations God gives a different strategy. Sometimes we have a tendency to think Whatever strategy I used before Will always be the strategy I use from here on That's not always true I think you've got to stay fresh And you got to be, you know, be willing to observe And ask God yourself Do you want me to do this And you may discover that the same situation Doesn't re- require of him The same exact response That he may have a different strategy It tells me this And here's a good lesson No one size fits all when it comes to strategy That is that Just because something worked one way somewhere doesn't mean it will work for me here. And so there's no one size fits all. It always has to adapt. It always has to evolve. Now, I do believe that the strategy of the leader is one of his most important roles. I think that the leader has to know where they're going. The leader is the strategist. Uh, If the leader is not the strategist in the end, the leader is going to be left out of the clue he can't lead well if he does not know and And uh, have people on board with what the strategy is. So he's got to know where you're going. He's got to know how we'll get there. What will we accomplish? What do we want to accomplish? How much will it cost in time and manpower and money? Everything needs to be looked at through the lens of strategy. How do we do this? What are we doing? And how do I get there? Now, every area of your life requires some strategy. If you want to get healthy, you've got to get a strategy. If you want to be financially well off, you've got to get a strategy. If you want to be spiritually better, you need a strategy. If your career needs uh, advancing or adjusting, you need a strategy. And so the bottom line is that strategy is always something that we will look at. So we look at what am I supposed to do, and then what is my strategy for doing that? And sometimes you can get some good ideas of strategy from others. Sometimes you have to create your own, sometimes based on what you've learned, but oftentimes uh, if you just, if you just wing it with the strategy side, you probably want not accomplish your goal. Now, I, the questions that I ask myself and the questions I would ask you to ask, these are the hard questions. Uh, why does your church or your business matter? Why does it matter? I mean, that, that's the big question. If somebody asks me, why does, why does it matter? I ought to be able to have the answer immediately and know why, um, why do people need your church or your business? What, what is it that, that makes it so important? And now and I often ask this question, it takes a little harder. What would be lost in your city or your community if your church or your business closed? What would be lost? Would there be anybody that suffered or any need that went unmet? Would there be any, would there be any kind of result that you would say, wow, well, that church went out of business or so that business went out of business and we're hurting now? And so those are the questions that are highly important when we ask. And, and you want to answer those questions. You want to know, what's going to be lost? What value do I bring? What, what I- impact do I make? And am I doing something that really makes a difference? You know, the questions are, what sets you apart? Whenever you watch the uh, Shark Tank, you know, the television show with a bunch of millionaires helping to uh, pick people's jobs and ideas and investments, they will ask certain questions there's a guy named kevin o'leary that always asks what makes you different that's his question what makes you different anybody else he wants to know what sets you apart he wants to know what is it that makes you distinct what do you give me that other people can't and and that's going to determine whether or not that business is going to be able to offer something unique so it's the strategy issue uh, strategy is going to be how you execute your plan i always i also say this be intentional about your mission ask yourself the question what is what is clarifying my win? How do I know i got to win? What, what, what makes me celebrate? And if I can look at something and say, okay, this is, this is my mission, <coughs> and I'm intentional about that, it makes all the difference in the world. And a quick illustration of it, um, we are, as a church, we're a church for the unchurched. That's who we want to reach. And uh, that means we're not swapping members from churches. You know, we're, we're after the people that do not attend or go to a church. And I remember one time we had 43 people that joined and they joined our church right after we first built the larger building and they had come from other churches. Now I'm grateful that they came and I'm grateful that you know that that uh, that you know they wanted to be a part of Cascade, but I was also grieved. I was grieved because our goal was to reach the people that weren't going to church. And so it really disturbed me that day when I saw all these people that had joined but yet none of them were of the unchurched community. And I thought, wait a minute, our strategy and our mission is here. Why is it we're drawing over here? And and I encourage you to do the same. You, you want to really look at your strategy and say, this is my mission and my strategy for it. And I want to know, are we able to hit on that? What is my win? And that's going to be, for us, it's converts and, and uh, baptisms and discipleship and that sort of thing. Um, it, it really encouraged me years, uh, probably weeks, uh, two weeks later, when... I saw a a Hindu lady being baptized, a Jewish couple getting saved, and two Muslims also giving their life to God. That's when I realized, okay, that's our mission, and we are on the right track. So be intentional about your mission or your business. Ask yourself the questions. What do we do? You know, what product do we have? Uh, What need am I meeting? What value am I adding? Those are all questions that you want to ask. If I'm going to be intentional about my business, I want to know what are those things that I'm, that I'm reaching? Um, and then as I have what I've got to also understand this, I'm going to have to learn to say no to a lot of other things. As you begin to be intentional about your business, you're going to discover a lot of other needs that come up. There'll always be good opportunities. There'll always be uh, worthy causes that you can get involved in. And, and sometimes I think in a business or in a church, We can spend so much energy and resources and time doing a lot of good things that we don't really have it in left to do our best for the best things. And so we've got to learn how to say no to a lot of good things to say yes to the best things. Then I'd say also be intentional about your own personal growth. That's why you're listening now, which tells me you are, but I know this, that growing leaders grow churches. Growing leaders grow a business if we're not growing. It's not growing it all starts with us And so you got to be intentional about your personal growth, but the second is you want to be intentional about growing others It's not enough just to grow yourself you want to see the people around you grow as well and you want to take people that have a hunger to grow and give to them all the tools resources encouragement that you can In order that they'll grow, and your real goal ought to be that they will outgrow you. You know, I've often said that I will know that I've really hit that. My highest goal is when everybody around me that I had a chance to help has grown beyond me. That's when I'll say, okay, we did it right. And so you want to be that person that not only grows yourself, but you're growing others. And then I say be intentional about looking for leaders. Look for leaders everywhere you go. There are people that stand out and and are distinct. And you want to look for those particular people because they will help the whole organization grow. I had a friend years ago that talked real uh, low. He had a whispering type voice. And uh, yet he ran this major company. And I was speaking for him one weekend. And in the conversation with him, I said, where did you find all these leaders? All of them had pretty much the same qualities. They were highly passionate. They were zealous. Uh, They were just very, very punctual. They were good people. And yet they came from different backgrounds all over the south, the north, the east and west. So when I asked him, he said, well, here's what I do. He said, whenever I'm in in a place, if I'm in a restaurant and I see a waiter that really just impresses me, I'll give him my business card and say, if you ever look for a job, give me a call. I might have something for you. If I meet a bellhop or a taxi driver. He said, most of these people that I have running my companies are people that I found in other places where they were just giving me great customer service. And he said, and I realized those are the kind of people I need, and he had had learned how to grow a business because he was always looking for leaders. And when he saw them, he wanted to give them an opportunity to come to work with him. I thought it was a great strategy. And then I say finally, be intentional about aligning people's gifts to their job assignment so they can add value. Uh, If you have people that are people-skilled people in other areas where they don't get to see people, it's going to frustrate them. If you have people that are good with technology, but they're over here on the people side, they're not doing technology, it's going to frustrate them. You want to align the gifts of your employees. So you want to look at them. I remember years ago when, uh, when I played football, I, the, the first, first year that I played, uh, me and all my friends went out, and, and we had a coach who was kind of a hardcore coach, and he just told us what to play. Now, he didn't, he didn't get to know us. He just said, You're going to play this role, you're going to play this role, I've already got this role, you're going to play this role. And he put me on the defense on the, on the outside as a linebacker. And, uh, and I did it. I, I played it. I didn't love it, but I played it. And, and I remember the next year that after we had a couple of practices, we had a new coach. And the new coach was just this good-looking guy, drove a sharp car, real athletic, uh, you know, pretty wife, good teacher. You know, he kinda, He's the ideal perfect coach. But I tell you what made him even better than all those other things. He got to know us. And I remember that he would watch us for a few weeks. And then one day he'd call us one by one into his office. And he'd call us in, and he was real gracious. I remember my conversation with him. I found out later was the same with many of the other guys. He said, Bill, who told you you were a linebacker? And I said, well, Coach Hubbard did. He said, I don't think that's your best spot. He said, I want to put you on the other side of the ball. I want you to become a fullback. I want to give you this playbook, I want you to study that. See these little X's here, well this X is you. I want you to learn that. And that was the first time I'd ever looked at any of the offensive playbooks. But when he gave that to me and I went back and studied it and then the next day or two began to practice that, I began to feel like a duck in water. I just felt like, man, this is more fun, enjoyable. I, I liked it. And then later when I was talking to my friends and we were all swapping around, it was the same team. It's just he moved a bunch of us around. And, and every one of us were happier where we had been moved to. But it was because of a coach that was willing to say, let me line you up with what I see. Maybe you're faster or stronger or, or can react quicker, so you need to be in this role. And he aligned us to our places, and we all did better, and the team did better. And I've often used that as my uh, fallback on about thinking about leading, that people, if they're in their proper place... Will enjoy it more and they'll bring more fruit they'll be more fulfilled but if you put somebody in the role that they're not to be in what happens in the end is you frustrate the team you frustrate everybody and you frustrate them and so part of your strategy has got to be making sure everybody is in proper alignment you want to set people up to win and if you do that everybody wins you know they say the rising tide raises all the ships and, uh, and so I share that with you to tell you. And then I would say finally, um, send personal notes of thanks or keep morale up by, uh, by, by giving appreciation. One of the greatest ways that you can keep on the strategy, and part of your strategy ought to be that you're constantly gonna be pouring into the people and saying thanks. See, if, if, if I've got a team around me and they're never validated or appreciated or rewarded, Um, the problem is is that my strategy may be to win but it's not it's not gonna be with that team long because one day they'll burn out and quit I want to make sure that what we do is we we acknowledge the other people that made a big impact in getting you where you are and so I just believe that you keep morale up you keep momentum up and you keep the people happier once you've done all the other things along your strategy by being able now to thank them for it so I ask you the question that is What is your strategy if you want to get to where you want to go if you've got a vision for what you want to see how you're going to get there what strategy do you have in mind and if you don't have it clarified and you you can't cite it I would encourage you go back spend the time it's very important The, the process alone of learning how you're going to get where you want to get and and what you're going to do is going to be for you very good That way you're not having to think every day, every time another obstacle comes up. Once you've got a good strategy, you'll be ahead of the game. You'll be doing what we call crossing that bridge before you get to it. So that's my goal and my hope for you. I want to pray with you for a moment and thank you again for listening. My hope is that you'll understand the value of strategy is so important to where you want to go that you'll start using that as a way to make you better. Father, thank you for everyone listening today. I pray as we devise our strategies and as we create the plan that you'll give us wisdom to do it, that you'll give us insight to know what to change, what not to change, and you'll give us wisdom on the right timing. I pray you'll help us to be wise in creating the right strategies to accomplish the goals you've set before us. For that, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson. Be sure to check out all of our online resources available to Bill Purvis Leadership subscribers, including a brand new discussion forum where you can share information with your peers. Have a great month.